Welcome back to another episode of the Care to Listen podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Shannon Hart, a caregiver and author of The Patient Doesn't Come First, You Do. A registered nurse for more than 15 years, Shannon is both a caregiver at work and at home, and she took care of both her parents during their illnesses and subsequent passing. Today, she shares her first-hand accounts of how to set healthy boundaries and what can happen if you don't. Today's episode is being broadcasted to you on the unceded and traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics that may be triggering for some viewers, including substance use, grief, and loss of parents. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Care to Listen podcast. I'm your host, uh, Sean Burke, and joining me today is an amazing guest, Shannon Hart. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. We're so honored. Um, you know, I know that you have such a long history when it comes to working in the healthcare uh, industry, 15 years, um, both as a nurse, but also as a mental health care practitioner. So wide range of experience. Um, maybe just before we jump into it, we'd love to learn a little bit more about who you are um, and a little bit about where you come from. Sure. Um, so I currently live in Alberta. I had moved to BC for a little bit and then I moved back to Alberta. Um, I went into nursing because I was already kind of taking care of other people. My parents both had illnesses and pretty much I've been a caregiver most of my life. Um, so going into nursing really was a no brainer. I was already doing it. So it was quite an easy transition and through a lot of things with my parents and then the healthcare system as it is, um, kind of working and getting into the burnout and all of that. So for me, um, I'm really passionate about teaching people how to avoid that, basically. Absolutely. And I know that you know, your experience both is lived personally, um, but also to working to support others who are, are maybe going through that. And in particular, uh, you've recently uh, written a book. Um, so maybe do you want to share a little bit about what that, that book looks like as well? Sure. Um, so the title is called The Patient Doesn't Come First, You Do, which it's a little bit um, cheeky, but I, I definitely wanted it to, to hit home with um, a lot of people who are caregivers. It's aimed mostly at people who are healthcare workers, but um, I think anybody who's a caregiver can benefit from it because um, the real message is that if you aren't taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of anybody else the way that you could be, essentially. Um, and I know self-care and putting your mask on first in, you know, on the airplane. I know that a lot of that terminology is coming out and people are starting to recognize it. But I think in healthcare specifically, it really hasn't hit home yet that when, you know, you're not going to the bathroom, when you're not eating, when you're not sleeping, it, you know, you're really not giving optimal care to your patients. But really the best thing that we can do for our patients is to take care of ourselves and put our needs first. Absolutely. I mean, we consistently hear suppress, push down, uh, move on and accomplish the next task. And oftentimes we even have heard on previous episodes where we're talking about the challenges of operational efficiency versus really showing up and providing your your whole self to be able to serve uh, those patients. So completely makes sense. And I think, you know, the intention behind the, the title of the book I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of healthcare practitioners. So kudos for you for, you know, for one, taking the time to be able to share those stories, um, but then also to, you know, to, to, to challenge the status quo a little bit, to make people think and, yeah, to have a little bit of a provocative title. But I think that that's exactly 
where from a healthcare perspective, we need to recognize that, you know, the purpose even of this, this podcast is to help healthcare practitioners to prioritize their well-being. You know, backing it up a little bit, talking about your story, you know, why initially did you go into healthcare, Shannon? Yeah. So, um, and like I alluded to a little bit earlier, like my parents both had illnesses um, and um, both of them had substance abuse issues as well. Um, So I was kind of already taking care of myself um, and I was already kind of taking care of my sister in uh, in some capacities. Um, And when my parents got um, more ill um, with other physical illnesses as well, I started taking on more of a caregiving role um, with them. And um, when I was, you know, it was around 18 and I'm trying to decide what to do. Well, it just became really natural. I'm already taking care of my parents in, in, in some ways. Um, so, and I, I really did have that, um, in my heart, I really did want to take care of people. And I felt like, you know, I make a difference. I could see that with me helping with my parents, you know, it made a difference to their lives. And I really, yeah, I, I felt really good about it. Um, I, I really also had a lot of empathy because I could see that my parents, you know, they weren't monsters, you know, they were, they weren't perfect, but you know, they loved us and they were just doing the best that they could with what life had given them. So I really had a lot of empathy for them. Um, and so I really wanted to transfer that into a career and, um, healthcare, like nursing, especially just seemed like it made sense. I worked in a nursing home for a little bit while I was going to school and I loved that. And, um, just ended up going into, um, an area where I could, I could work with a lot of patients, even if it was a little bit in diagnostic imaging, you know, you see a lot of people, but, um, we really do, I feel like make a difference in that department. So yeah, it, it definitely had the empathy fulfillment for me. Well, that's so great to hear. And I think, you know, resonates probably with many of the listeners here today. Um, but I'd love to go back to that um, experience that you had, you know, being quite young, being a caregiver at, a, at an early age, and then having that inform, you know, the work that you ultimately dedicated your life to. Uh, I, I'm curious, like, you know, going through that, um, the passing of your parents at an earlier age, how how did that inform? How does that shape the way that you show up now as a healthcare practitioner? I don't think I would have made some of the same choices that I had made if it weren't for my parents being ill. Um, you know, they were both quite young when they passed away. I was a new nurse when, like, a newly graduated when my father got sick, and um, my mother passed away five years after that. So um, I had always been of the mindset, you know, to work, 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 um, save, 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 and you know, just do the responsible thing. And, you know, my parents both worked pretty much up until um, their deaths or my mom was a little bit ill, a little bit longer, but, um, you know, they really didn't get to enjoy, you know, that retirement phase. They, they worked really hard and, and then they passed away. And to me, you know, that could happen to me too. You know, we have no guarantee. So for me, um, it changed my trajectory. I, I realized, you know, like life isn't for working, you know, until you are exhausted or making those payments to the mortgage or whatever. Like it really gave me an eye-opening experience. Like there is more to life. And if I'm not careful with it, you know, it, it really is precious and I need to make sure that I'm enjoying my life now. Um, but also during it, it was, it was really hard, you know, going from one hospital to where I was working to another hospital to wherever, you know, each parent was admitted. So it, it, during the time it was really a struggle. 
And I'd love to dig into that a bit more because I'm hearing part of you, you know, bringing your whole self to work, being able to, to give everything to your patients. But then, you know, in most professions, when you finish your workday, you can go home and people try, you know, to separate or create boundaries from, you know, work and then home life. But being then, you know, having to care for your parents, it seems like there wasn't really a natural sort of separation and it's just 24 seven in the caregiver, um, you know, mentality. And so I'm wondering, like, how does that continue to show up, you know, maybe for others, but also yourself and in that, that experience as well? Yeah, like during the time, um, I really didn't have any awareness as to what was going on. I just, I was in pure survival mode um, because there are some times that you just have to suck it up and you just have to do it. You know, like my parents needed me. I needed to, um, I needed to be there for them at that time. Um, Other than maybe taking a few days off to, you know, just retreat and have a day to myself. I maybe other than that, but um, during that time, I really don't think I could have made a lot of changes. Now I'm really a strong advocator for, okay, like, could you have taken some time off? Um, you know, could you have asked for some respite? You know, in when you're in that zone, you're just so fixated. Like you can't really, you don't really have the outer um, perspective. But now having experienced it, I think um, when I see it in other people, because obviously I work with a lot of other care, you know, nurses and other types of healthcare workers that they're doing the same thing, you know, if their parents are ill, like the sandwich generation, or they're taking their kids to their sports and everything. And, you know, just being able to ask that question, you know, is there somebody else who could maybe do this or, um, you know, are there, you know, could I take a week off from this, that, that sort of thing, just starting to ask those questions because when you're in it, it's it's really hard. All you can see is, you know, work and family. Like that's the only two things you can really see. So, um, being able to witness it in other people, I'm I'm able to start asking those questions to these people to maybe give them, you know, a, a chance to maybe see things a little bit differently. If that makes sense. No, it completely does. And when I hear you, you talk about the suck it up mentality, and you know, sometimes we just have to put our heads down and, and get it done it's for me, it's sort of one of those moments where it's like, there is a time and a place absolutely where that just, you yeah. know, has to be the the case. And then there's the other fine line where, you know, if we suppress, um, push things down, but don't acknowledge um, that, hey, this is not a, you know, one off situation or a time where we need to do that. How do you balance the two? I think that's something like I still am having to ask myself on a quite a frequent basis because I do go into autopilot and it's just, yeah, I can just do it. You know, like I can just, I don't need to ask for help. I can just do it. But I think the, the trigger for me, for me, it's not necessarily an awareness that I have built in the, the trigger for me is I start feeling resentful. So if I start going to work and I notice that I'm snappier with, you know, my patients or my coworkers or, um, or I'm not wanting to engage in, you know, social activities with my friends or family. Um, it's little things like that for me, like for me, unfortunately, I find that it it has to get to that point until I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's my, that's my trigger to say, okay, you know, something's off. You need to back it up or something needs to change. I wish I could say that, like, I, I had it all, you know, figured out and balanced and, you know, my life is perfect. And, you know, now that I've gone through everything, but for me, I would say that, that the, the feeling of resentment is probably that, um, 
that guidance, that inner guidance that's saying, hey, like you're working too hard that you might want to back off or, you know, maybe take on less or ask for help or whatever. Because for me, it's not it's not natural to ask for help. Um, and I think a lot of caregivers, I, I would say that that's a pretty normal thing we are so used to doing and not necessarily feeling comfortable asking for help. So I think sometimes your feelings are your guide, you know, and I think sometimes we feel afraid when we're angry or we're ashamed of our anger, or we're ashamed of our resentment or guilt or whatever that is, but that's, you know, that's our guidance that's saying, Hey, there's something up that you need to pay attention to. Totally. And when you say, you know, it, it's your guide, those feelings, um, to me, it kind of reminds me of a chapter out of your book that you have coming up, um, empathy being our superpower. So would you be able to speak a little bit towards that? And like, what, what does that mean to you when you hear, or when you wrote the, the chapter empathy is our superpower? Sure. So um, I actually, like, I do talk about how we have empathy for our patients, for our family members. Um, I think it's very natural for us to be able to um, put ourselves in our patient's shoes. So, you know, I have never been on a, um, a procedure table in my department, but I'm able to put myself in my patient's shoes and say, you know, oh, you know, lying on that cold, hard table must be really hard and to have this diagnosis it might be really it must be really challenging and so i soften myself to my patient um but i find that a lot of caregivers were very natural when it comes to doing that for other people but we're not so natural at it when it comes to ourselves um so i say that our empathy is our superpower because it is it's not something that i think everybody has the ability to do um but I think sometimes we forget about having the empathy for our ourselves. So, you know, when we are working too hard and then we're beating ourselves up because, you know, we missed our self-care or whatever that is, you know, I think it's transferring that empathy that we have for our patients that we use on a daily basis. That's just, it's autopilot for us. We're so natural at doing it, um, but it's transferring that back to ourselves. So having that compassion you know, like for me, I, I do actively work on my self-care, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I miss a meditation or I miss a workout or, you know, I just want to eat junk food one day. And I think we have a tendency to beat ourselves up over it. But, you know, if you were, if you, this was your patient, you know, or your friends, you know, would you be saying, oh, you know, you, you're a slacker or, you know, you suck or you wouldn't be saying those things to those other people, but we say it to ourselves, right? So it's, it's having that, I, like, I kind of want to put a spotlight on it. Like, we already have this skill built in. It's not like it's something that we really need to learn. It's just mm -hmm. something that we need to be aware that we need to give back to ourselves. Yeah, that recognition I hear quite often, like the, the example you shared there. Um, but also, too, you know, I've heard from many times uh, different people, the idea of if you spoke to yourself the way, or sorry, if a friend spoke to you the way you speak to yourself, would you still be friends with that person? Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes that that answer is pretty clear and, you know, you don't even need to answer it because we all know that you know we're hard on ourselves. Um, but if we can create that space um, for us to 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 be able to sit with our feelings, to acknowledge that we're you know human beings and that we're going to make mistakes and that we can't do everything. Um, but, you know, we're going to do the best we can. I think such simple lessons that we're taught at a young age, but sometimes forget as as adults and. 
um, trying to move forward. So maybe backing it up a bit to your personal journey and, and your experience. I know you have a story that you share in the book just around this recognition, recognition or realization um, of what it's like to work in the, the healthcare industry um, and the need to put yourself, um, you know, first in order to serve uh, and provide the best care for your patients. So maybe could you share a little bit about what that story was or that experience of, of you being in the line and I'll let you take it from there. Sure. Um, so this was actually already after my parents had passed away and I had already started doing some work on myself, but um, it, it it's interesting because I thought that I was, you know, I had it all together. Um, but I was skating with friends in, I'd gone to New York to visit a friend and um, we were in line to skate and I had to leave that night. I, um, I had a plane to catch back home um, and my two friends are yoga instructors. And so um, we were looking, we were standing in line to get the skates, but then I really had to go to the bathroom. I had to pee and um, I went and looked and the lineup for the bathroom was longer than it was for the skating. It was probably going to be about two hours, which I either had to choose, okay, go skating and hold it or go to the bathroom and don't go skating. Like that's basically the choice I had to make. And I, I contemplated holding it. Like I really did. And I was just like, you know what, I guys, I don't think I'm going to make it. And so I apologized profusely to them and, you know, I'm sorry, I, I really have to go. And they looked at me like I had three heads. They were like, like, why are you apologizing for going to the bathroom? But it was like this, like light bulb went off in my head and I was like, well, I always apologize for going to the bathroom and all of us at work always say, sorry, sorry, I have to go. I have to go like, or you don't like, that's the other thing too. You know, you'll be holding it all day. And then, you know, at the end of the day, that's when you actually go. But it was just this like awareness that like, this isn't normal outside of my job. Like this isn't normal in society. And like my friends being yoga instructors, they're very in tune with their bodies um, and obviously I'm not because I've ignored a lot of those singles, you know, uh, signals for a long time. Like when you're hungry and you just push through it, you go to the bathroom, you just push through it. And, you know, so I realized in that moment, I was like, okay, like something, something really needs to change here. Like, you know, it, it, and for me, it was, I think almost like I had a lot of sadness for myself, but I had a, more sadness. I think that the fact that you know, this is how, what all of us are experiencing. Like all of us are just used to just pushing away our like natural bodily functions, like, you know, pushing away what it is to be human, to try and get the work done for, you know, trying to help the patients. Right. So Absolutely. that, yeah, that was my aha moment. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm sure if we took a, a survey of healthcare practitioners who have had a similar, similar experience where they've, you know, had to hold something or, you know, your example, I mean, I think, you know, the vast majority of people would put their hands up um, and be aligned with with what you're saying. And, and that that example resonates. But why do you think that is? You know, why why is it a, a culture where that is the norm? I think, you know, we're definitely in a system that doesn't support us. Like, I mean, first and foremost, it's a sick system in healthcare. Like the patients are sicker now than they ever were before. Um we, I think we're dealing, we're trying to do more with less staff um, and we have an aging population. There's so much that's just slowly grown. And unfortunately the system can't support um, 
healthcare the way it is. So I think part of it is that it's kind of just slowly become this, like the frog in the boiling water kind of situation where we just haven't noticed it as much. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, something has to give. Um, but I would, I would say that the next biggest issue is that we are not you know, standing up for ourselves necessarily when some of these decisions are coming in, when some of these um, situations are changing, you know, like we, I think a lot of the times, because we really, we know that the patient will suffer if we try to protest. And so we just, I think we cut corners, we rush, we try to fit cases in, we try to do everything that we can so that the patient isn't suffering. There's definitely the system itself is a problem, but I think we have to also be accountable for how we've played a role in how this has become the norm um, because it doesn't, the culture doesn't shift overnight that way, right? Like it, it's definitely a gradual thing. What sort of steps could somebody take today to improve their experience, improve the culture within the teams? Like what, what could that individual be accountable to and for? the biggest thing is recognizing that our needs are important. Our needs are um, necessary and that um, we are accountable for taking care of ourselves before we take care of anybody else. I think personally, that's what I think the biggest shift needs to happen um, because we can make policy changes. We can definitely um, start saying no to overtime or you know, working on call or, you know, certain things like that. There are, I think, smaller things that we can do that will make a, a difference. But I would say the biggest thing is having that paradigm shift that, well, if I'm taking care of myself first, that means I can't do a lot of the things that I have been doing for probably most of my career, you know? Um, and that's how I think the biggest change has to shift. Um, another thing too, I think is, I know this for myself, I can't speak to every healthcare worker, but I think some of us really see our patients as victims in a way, you know, like they come in and I think our job is to fix them, you know, like, and I think that mentality also needs to shift um, because our patients are also able to advocate for themselves. I know our job is obviously to advocate for our patient, but that power, I think, can reside with the patient. The patient can advocate for themselves and we can give them education on that. We, um, I think some of the times we skip that and we just try to advocate for them instead of allowing it to be um, a, a collaboration, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. It, it brings me back to a conversation I had this past week with one of uh, uh, a Squamish elder and one of their biggest tests or one of their biggest teaching was you know, I will walk alongside you, but I won't be able to do the work for you. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because when we do think about healthcare, at least from my personal perspective as well, it's very much been when you go to the hospital, right, you, you're going to be fixed. Um, so yeah. it's an interesting mindset shift as opposed to saying, you know, I'm not there to fix you, but I'm there to support you, to help empower you to take the steps that you need to, to take. And, um, you know, shifting to that, I mean, mindset, is that, you know, how could somebody do that within the existing framework and, and policies that are set in place around supporting the health, the healthcare industry and patient in particular? We have to balance and compromise, right? Like, um, that means we, we're still probably going to be doing the overtime. We're still going to be working short. We're still, you know, like that's not going to change overnight. Um, but I think little increments in, um, 
in self-care, I think is a big thing. I think boundary setting boundaries is probably the most important skill that healthcare workers um, can utilize. And, but that has to come from within. You can set a boundary, um, you know, kind of how you can memorize, you know, a textbook, but if you don't feel that in your, in your body, that you're worthy of setting that boundary, um, I think a lot of the times it, it might be challenged to, to do so. So I think it's having that wherewithal to know that you are important. Um, so that, and that can come from, you know, working with a therapist or, um, you know, kind of di divulging, like into diving into a lot of your own kind of personal work. But um, I would say boundaries is probably the biggest thing that uh, a healthcare worker could do overnight is to start saying no to things that really aren't serving you. And let's talk about the, I guess, the realistic approach towards setting boundaries. And what's that line between, you know, yes, I'm setting a boundary versus yes, I'm going to need to, to you know, com complete that task. And, and what sort of reaction might somebody expect if they do, uh, you know, set a boundary? I really, um, I think it's important to know what your values are, um, first and foremost, because what might affect me personally might not be that big of a deal to somebody else. You know, somebody else might not really care if they have to stay over time, but, you know, picking up an extra call shift might be a big deal. Right. Um, so it's kind of knowing what your values are. If, um, you know, for example, if, you know, you like to travel, you know, you're going to make your life kind of work around that travel. Whereas if you want to stay with your family more, if you have, you know, family responsibilities, you know, putting, those kinds of things in perspective first, and that will really streamline the process. Like if you, if you value your family, but you're at spending all your time at work, it's going to feel kind of icky and you're not going to know why. Um, so really knowing what's important to you is going to guide where your boundaries are, where you're setting them. Um, for me, yeah, I, you know, I don't mind a little bit of overtime, but I really don't I recognize in myself that I, I can't do too much. So knowing those boundaries before you actually set them with somebody else is really important. It's not easy to set a boundary, especially when you aren't used to setting them. And I find in Canada, especially we're very, you know, we don't want to rock the boat. We want to be polite. So saying, you know, this doesn't work for me. Sometimes like it sounds really easy, but when you actually go to talk, tell this person, like, no, like we get that kind of like, ugh inside. So I think yeah. another thing that um, misconceptions around setting boundaries is that, you know, it's going to be easy and you're going to feel free. Well, no, because you're so used to saying, you know, yes to everybody else that when you start saying no, it, you're going to feel guilty. Um, and Gabor Mate had a great quote where um, if you have to choose between feeling guilt or feeling resentment, choose the guilt every time. Because he says, you know, he compares resentment to like, you know, kind of arsenic in your system because it does erode after a while, whereas guilt, it does get easier after a certain amount of time. And it's even, you know, the question of having, you know, why do we have to choose between the two? Like, how do we avoid or prevent ourselves from getting into a situation like that? Or, you know, like if I'm assuming that in this example, maybe the guilt um, is coming from setting a boundary and saying no, well, absolutely if that's you know the first step that somebody's taking they might end up in that position but how do you feel confident with you know setting those boundaries and not manifesting into guilt 
um, mm-hmm. or shame or resentment or whatever those other feelings might be. Because the truth is, is you're honoring your own self well-being um, in order to then again, show up as your best self for, for your, your patients. So is there a way forward in healthcare where, you know, or a time in the future where you see that not being the norm? Um, or is this something that you think the profession itself lends, you know, it, it just, it, it's not something that we're going to move past. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I think, like I said, I think the paradigm shift definitely needs to happen before anything changes. You know, they've done a ton of studies around um, nursing bullying and nursing burnout. They've done all of these studies. You know, there's a ton of literature out there, even though they have all this information, you know, nothing's changing. Right. So I think, like I said, keep coming back to the fact that um, I think we need to know that we're worthy of putting ourselves first. Um, the conditioning that happens in healthcare um, starts from the beginning. Like that that phrase, you know, the patient comes first. It was ingrained from the beginning of my nursing career, you know, and I think that that conditioning really needs to stop. And it, it's definitely not just nurses. It's all healthcare workers. I actually think physicians have an even harder time Um setting boundaries and feeling like they, they have the right to say no, because, you know, this is a calling, this is, um, you know, they're well compensated. They, so I feel a lot of them really don't feel like they have the right to say no, like this is what they signed up for. And, um, that needs to change, like hundred percent needs to change before anything can shift. Um, I do think that people who are drawn to healthcare and I kind of talk about it a little bit in the book too, is like, there's like that wounded healer kind of mentality in us. Like you're seeking, you're seeking healing and you're going into a profession where it's revolving around healing. And I think almost subconsciously it's a way like that we're, we're trying to heal ourselves in a way. So I think it does the profession. Like, I mean, pretty much everybody in healthcare, I think has that, um, that, mentality of putting people above their own needs in, in some ways. Um, so I think, I think it definitely can change. And if the pandemic, you know, if we're to look at it positively, um, now that it's shone a spotlight on, you know, the shortages in healthcare, um, I think if we can take anything positive from it, it's that we need a big shift. Like it, it's, this isn't going away and we need to do something that can, change and it needs to start from ourselves we can't rely on the government we can't rely on you know the health authority we can't rely on anything we have to be able to rely on ourselves to be able to make that shift Hmm. that's such a powerful statement i think you know reclaiming the ownership of putting yourself first and excuse me doing your own um healing i mean i think that that's uh you know such an important reminder for anyone listening is that you have the power um, and the capability of putting yourself first and recognizing and honoring your own well-being needs, um, in, again, in order to serve your, your patients. So before we move on from, from this topic, I just, to me, it seems like there, you know, there is pushback, obviously, on the title, or it is provocative, but, but why? Why does it need to be that way? And, and why did you choose to keep this title for your book? Um, again, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I want, I want to get attention, um, with how healthcare is and how we, how, how I think a lot of people in healthcare are viewed, you know, like there is definitely a martyr, 
kind of complex, I think. Um, I know I absolutely like don't, I'm not speaking for everyone, but for myself, I definitely had a little bit of a martyr complex. Um, you know, it felt good when people would, you know, ask what I did and I said, well, I'm a nurse and, you know, you'd get, you'd always got this really positive um, feedback from people, you know, like, oh, like you guys work so hard and, you know, you really care about other people and I couldn't do it. And, you know, that, that, gave me a little, that fed me a little bit for a little while until I went into the burnout. And, um, I think the biggest hurdle is the fact that many of us have this mentality that we have to serve others before ourselves, that we're not really learning because we're just surrounding ourselves with other people who do the same thing. And like I said, it wasn't until I started having friends who were in health or outside of healthcare that were looking at me like, why, why are you doing this? And, and, you know, even um, some of the treatment that we get, even amongst our colleagues out of frustration or um, burnout, like we're, we're not treating ourselves well either. And that's unfortunately something that's tolerated, you know, um, Healthcare workers, I know, are physically abused probably way more than the other any other um, profession. And you know, if a, if a person did some of the things to me that some of my patients have done on the street, you know, they would be arrested. But oh. in healthcare, you know, they're not being charged, they're not being reprimanded, you know. And unfortunately, this is just being tolerated. And even for the people who are going above and beyond and trying to um, speak out against it, there's no change, right? Um, so for me, I think the biggest thing is having that mindset shift, like, you know, this isn't okay. And whether or not we can save the system, at least we need to be able to stand up for ourselves personally and say, like, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. I don't care what my manager says. I don't care what you know, anybody else says, I'm not putting up with this. And it's, it's challenging. It's scary that, um, it's come to this, but I think we, we do have to be firm. And if anything is like, I mean, the burnout that I've experienced, I, I will never go down that route again. Um, so for me, it's, I would say it's more uncomfortable for me to tolerate it, knowing what the damage has done, as opposed to having that moment of like, oh, this is scary to stand up for myself and, and say no. Um, the the pain is worse on the other end, if that makes sense. It really does. And, and you know, I think that that's probably a great place for us to, um, you know, and end the conversation just in terms of leaving people with this realization and recognition or realization, sorry, that again, the onus is, is back in, and being given to you, the individual, um, to either prioritize your well-being, to set those boundaries, to recognize that, you know, staying soft or, or leading with empathy, that can be your superpower. And, you know, that's probably what brought you to the, the profession in the first place. Um, but before we did, uh, you know, wrap up the show, I'd love to, to provide you with an opportunity to share any final thoughts or, or leave the, the listeners with any last messages that you might have? Sure. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the biggest takeaway is definitely knowing that you are worthy of having your needs being taken care of. Um, and it's, it's not just, you know, a worthiness. It is, it is a responsibility as well. Um, I think, you know, I, I do talk about it in the book as well, where I say, you know, nobody is coming to save us. I think, Unfortunately, we've learned through the pandemic, like, you know, 
our government couldn't help us, our health authority couldn't help us, our patients can't help us. So it sounds a little bit harsh to say like nobody's coming to save us, but I'm, I want to change that view and make it be really positive and, and empowering. And is that, you know, you have the power to make a difference in your own life. Like you hold the key to it. Um, you don't have to rely on anybody else. You have it already. And through your empathy for showing other people the care that you've given, you know, you already have that skill. It's in you already. So start showing it for yourself. Such a nice way to, you know, provide that opportunity and reminder for people to to do that and to prioritize their well-being. So Shannon, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody has access um, to getting the, the book. Um, so we'll make sure to add a link in the show notes where everybody can find uh, find your book and, uh, you know, pick up a copy. So thank you again for, for being on the show. And um, yeah, we just really appreciate all your, your guidance, your wisdom, um, and sharing your personal experience. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for doing what you do too, because caregivers definitely need it. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit the links in the show notes for resources and supports from the Care for Caregivers program. If you're interested in sharing your story on the Care to Listen podcast, please reach out to us at careforcaregivers.ca forward slash podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform to be notified when new episodes are released. Thanks again for joining us and see you next month.